Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm a Ravenclaw. We're a good fit. I tried to throw you off. No, I'm ready for you tonight. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, I hope you're ready to talk about Chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Every time I talk about which book we're reading, I have to glance over at the <laughs> at the book. <laughs> well, is that why it's sitting on the table yeah, with us? Yeah, why well, it's propped up. <clears throat> Just right, there. Right, right in my line of sight. So you know. The uh, I have, of course, the Brian Selznick variant covers that came out, I think, for the 20th anniversary. Oh. A few years ago. Yeah. I've got the Ravenclaw edition. Because, you know, they got to put different covers on the books so that we will buy the same book multiple times. Yes. Actually, I was complaining about that at my, you know, new job at the library about certain authors doing money grabs to... Mm. You know, make you buy the books, and somebody asked me, "But do you fall for it?" And I said, "Oh yeah, no, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I don't." <laughs> Except for I have all the Ravenclaw editions. <laughs> of course, I only have one edition, uh, the original edition of the Harry Potters. Well, I fall for it in my library because it's not my money. Yeah, it's, that's different. It's school district money, mm-hmm. so I'm like, "Ooh, I don't know these books. Oh, this this copy of Harry Potter in the." Goblet of Fire is kind of getting a little rickety. We probably should replace it. And if I'm going to buy the new cover for that one, I, I might as well. Get it's, it'll look really them. pretty on the shelf. Also, with the kids, you never know what's going to grab their attention. Maybe uh-huh. that cover speaks to certain kids and they're like, hey, I want to read that. I do have a lot of kids that want to check out the books that I know are not at that reading level. Mm-hmm. And just there, there'd be no way they'd be able to read it. But. And then you, you suggest know, the illustrated editions, and then you realize there's no way they'll be able to lift it. <laughs> I do have I have so many like second graders that walk out with that illustrated edition, <laughs> and it's bigger than their torso. We got a whole bunch in at the library, and it made the box so heavy. I was like, "Oh my god, what is in here?" Mm-hmm. And I open it up, and it's just like four copies of the mm-hmm. illustrated edition. They're massive. They're huge. They are, but they're also very pretty. Yeah. But uh, they're not even all out yet, as of we, as of us recording this in October 2022. I think they're only like the first four, maybe the fifth one just came out. Mm, I don't think it was the fifth one that just came out. You think it was like six or seven? No, I think it might have been four. Okay, yeah, that yeah, sounds I think about it's four. right. Yeah, I because think. it wasn't the one we're on. I knew that when I picked it up. Yeah, it's a slow and, uh, burn, with but it's one of the them, thicker uh, ones. Releasing those, but they are they are pretty, and it's like I said, it's another way to get. Uh, more money out of Harry Potter mm-hmm. fans. I flipped through it very quickly, and I was like, I'm not seeing a lot of pictures. And then I was like, glanced back at the covers, and well, this is one of the thicker books. There's a lot of words that got to get in here, but there were some illustrations. Well, speaking of a lot of words to get in here, we got a lot of words. Chapter twelve today <laughs> was a was a uh, a doozy, a rather swollen chapter, robust, if you will. Robust. Uh, but before we talk about chapter 12, let's talk about chapter 11. Uh, we talked about last time the Sorting Hats new song. Finally back inside the Great Hall. Not only is Hagrid not there, though, but Dolores Umbridge is the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts. The Sorting Hat has a different melody this year, warning of tough times ahead, and that unity at Hogwarts is important. Uh, First-year students get sorted in their houses... Umbridge gives a three-and-a-half-page diatribe about the education system. Hermione summarizes this by saying that it all means that the Ministry will be interfering at Hogwarts. And in the Gryffindor common room, Seamus and Harry nearly come to blows over Seamus' mother believing the lies in the Daily Prophet and the fact that Harry made some Yo Mama jokes. What? 
I believe he said, Yo mama's so fat when she fell, I didn't laugh, but the sidewalk cracked up. He did not say that. <laughs> he didn't. Yo mama's so stupid. I'm... When they said it was chilly outside, she grabbed a bowl. <laughs> I was going to talk, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let this go. Okay, I, that's I all I got. I only, I only had two. There's no way I can stop it, so we're just going to let it go. I, uh, I wrote down two. Okay. For your pleasure. <laughs> Which one was your favorite? Cracked up. Yeah. Uh, chapter 12, Professor Umbridge is the title of this chapter. Another long chapter, 29 pages, this one. I feel like... Clocked okay, in at. So it's, what, a week from Halloween? A week and a day? As we record this, yes. Yes. I feel like this is like the perfect time to be reading this, this spooky um, book. But it's not a Halloween book or a spooky book. It's just she's terrifying. My favorite part about our last Halloween episode was... When you took down the Halloween decorations before Halloween. <laughs> Just inside. <laughs> what a very evil thing to do. I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just inside. Go back and listen to that episode. I have no idea what episode it is. I don't either. I totally forgot that it even happened until you said that. But this is a long chapter, but not a lot of story progression in this and we kind of talked about it when we were online with our jackbox crew last night uh, somebody i forget who it was said kelly. get used to it with this book and then somebody else said, i think it might have been Catherine, said well that's this book's so good it's so good it's so good i do like this book but there's it's there's so many it seems like there's gonna be a lot of chapters like this where it's just going to be a little or inching along. Longer than it needs to be. Yes, but it's also the atmosphere of the, of the story. Like, mm. if we just jump to the last class of the day, that would... You, you would lose some of the magic. Well, we're heading to our first class of the day, and Fred and George are already on their salesman kick, aren't they? Yes. What's going on with Fred and George? Well, on the way to breakfast, Hermione spotted a poster looking for um, paid volunteers to test products In at their own risk. Mostly safe circumstances. Mostly. But no, no guarantees. So then we, we kind of get into this conversation with Fred and George about them already having their lives after Hogwarts planned out. And that they debated not even returning to school for their final year. Yeah, and I, I couldn't help but think, oh, you guys had to come back because Molly was really mad mm -hmm. at Harry at that point. Like, she doesn't know about the money, mm -hmm. but it would come out. And not only would it be Harry's fault that he gave the, he gave them this money. The Tri-Wizard winnings. Uh -huh. But... Now they're not going back to school? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know Molly would still love Harry, like one of her sons, but she'd be really mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it would, and it's not like they could have kept that hidden from no. her. Molly would have... It would eventually have come out gotten that the this truth. happened. And for them to just completely blow off school, at least this way, you know, they're making an effort. Mm-hmm. Putting and, on a good show. <laughs> and they even mentioned the fact that with the Percy stuff going on, now would mm. not have been <laughs> not, a, not good a good time. time. Definitely not. So it kind of made me wonder, the fa just the fact that the twins were even discussing this as a possibility. Is this a thing that you think that... We know with with high school, not everybody finishes high school. You know, some and same thing with college. People that start college, not everybody that starts college finishes college. Either, you know, so they get taken off on some career path or, you know, life gets in the way in, in other situations. Do you think this is a, a common thing in the wizarding world that, you know, if you already know what you're going to be doing, maybe you don't go back for that final and year or two? you don't need whatever certifications mm -hmm. or 
you know, pieces of paper to tell you that you can go do that job. It just kind of made me wonder if this is something that happens more often than we think. I don't really understand, like, their schooling. Like, I don't know enough about it. The system. But it kind of sounds like this fifth year thing, you know, once you pass it, like, maybe that's high school. And then after that, it's kind of like our college. Because it seems Mm -hmm. like... Or maybe, like, the fifth year is kind of like your regular degree and the six and sevens like your master's degree or your doctorate or whatever yeah but they start the that so young i would yeah. equate it more to high school i think but i don't but i don't think there is a, a a college like i think this is it for like their education yeah but once but I think you this is kind of like get a, past your fifth year it's very specific you're taking classes for your job yeah it's not just general education anymore mm-hmm. So that's why I was kind of dividing it between high school and college, because mm-hmm. in college you kind of have a direction. You do take some gen ed classes still, but mm-hmm. um, just to get that like foundation. So they can get more money out of you. Yeah, basically. basically. <laughs> that's all it is. Just they want more. You could finish college in about two years yeah. if you just if took you stuff just... that had to do with your major. But you But can't. no, they got to get an extra two years of your money. College Life 101. Like. Why why do I need to spend time learning about how to go to college? How to go to college. <laughs> it's awful. And then, you know, taking math classes that have nothing to do with your or taking literature classes because they want you to be a well-rounded individual. Yes, how about well-rounded. just getting people to f- degrees? We need yeah. to just get people degrees. You can always degrees go back and, and not, fill in holes and and not bury them take under things that you're interested crippling in. debt. How about that? But it's a, it's a it's a cash grab for for colleges and it's ridiculous. College is insanely unaffordable, mm-hmm. and you know, as a as a teacher, you know, I when I first started teaching, I was all, you know, I I want to see you guys graduate high school and I want to come to your college graduations. I want to see you guys get scholarships to college. And now I don't even say that anymore because a lot of times. Kids would be better off going to a trade school or learning a, a trade, mm-hmm. and they would make more money and have a better life and not have, you know, crippling debt for the next 30 years. Or things that just are like a certificate. You're saying trade school, it's mm-hmm. almost the same thing, but just some, there are some things you still go to college for, but just require certifications mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. Uh, not necessarily in trade schools, but they're the same thing, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll get off my soapbox here. <laughs> uh, do you think people, like, flunk out of wizarding school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that, like, maybe they go for, like, a couple years, they just can't hack it, and then... They just go do something strange on the side? Mm-hmm. Like, could you see Trelawney going through all of these classes? Like, she's a professor. Kind of. Yeah, because she she's kind of like. Uh, Seems too we've had we've had ki- kids like I've had enough. kids like that, <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're really really out there, but they make it through. They make it because she's not she's probably I doubt that she was like a behavior problem. She's just in her own little world, and that's people you could work with. You know, you can't work. It's hard to get your mind and heart behind working with somebody who's a jerk but if somebody's just a space cadet you know that's a lot easier uh a very difficult time followed following the sorting hats words about unity because many of the students in the school are not on harry's side uh in this chapter we talked about you know the situation with Seamus and Dean Thomas at the end of the last chapter, but more situations pop up in this chapter as well. Yeah, as soon as Harry, or as soon as Hermione spots Harry, she says, what's wrong? Like, oh, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. You're you're angry. You're stewing. I can just tell what's wrong. And he, uh, Ron, that's his name. I'm yeah. like, Harry, not one of, Harry, one of not the Harry, characters, not Harry. <laughs> one of the essential characters to the saga that we're currently yeah. embarking on ron fills her in and tells her what's going on and she's just like oh yeah lavender was doing the same thing <laughs> and harry immediately jumps all over her and like 
oh, is that what you talk about with your friends? And she's like, no, I told her to shut her big fat mouth. You, you need to stop being mean to us. We're your yeah. friends. Uh-huh. Like, um, we're on your side, dude. Mm-hmm. You need to stop. But I just kind of laughed at this whole scene, them walking through the hall, because Hermione is, like, multitasking. She's, like, putting out Harry's fire, dealing with this, got to take down the flyer because of friend George. Mm-hmm. Dealing with Ron, we're prefects, now we have to do stuff, and she just, just handling it. Yeah, she's very, um, matter of fact in, like when you said what, about what Lavender was talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, everybody's talking about it, and it's like, and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. So, we need to really be thinking, the bigger things we need to be thinking about is the Umbridge speech from the other day. Because of the the consequences of that and the fact that the ministry has now got their, their hands in Hogwarts business. And the fact that we got this eerie message from the sorting hat about how we've got to we've got to pull together or we're gonna be in big trouble here. And she's like, This is exactly what everybody's warning us against. Well, everybody the hat. And, and then so- even later on in the chapter that I've I've got in my notes we'll get there when they're in Umbridge's class, Hermione's the only one who really picks out the the hidden message that is on the board about the aims of the class and what that really means. Everybody's just like, oh, well, I'll, I guess we'll read, sit here quietly and read this chapter. And Hermione's like, wait a minute. There's an overarching issue with this Defense Against the Dark Arts class this year, which she's, we're going to talk about. Like, she's just really got the big picture, mm-hmm. and she can see all the things that need to be questioned or tweaked or shut down or... Yeah, we can't, like you said, we can't fix that. They're going to talk, but we need to focus on sticking together and... I just think think of that scene from The Hangover when uh, Zach Galifianakis' character is counting cards and you see see him uh, moving his head back and forth and you see like the the math uh, equation (laughs) above his head. It's a very common gift. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just see that with Hermione all the time. There's she's just always processing, you know, everything around and her. noticing every little little thing. It's like what's, we only use like ten percent of our brains or something like that. Not Hermione. Hermione uses the other ninety percent. Yes. <laughs> so, like I said, very difficult time for Harry with everything that's going on, and and then friend George throw on top of it that oh yeah, this year's gonna be rough academically. Mm-hmm. Because it's your owls. Uh, Angelina is the new Gryffindor Quidditch captain now that Oliver Wood is gone. And the new the the team has a new captain, but it also needs a new keeper. Too. I kind of held my breath while I was reading that part. I'm like, oh god, what is she going to say? Because she comes up very, uh-huh. um, almost aggressively, very... I kind of thought she was going to say, ooh, yeah, we... There's yeah, a, I'm not sure if we can have you on the yeah, team. Yeah, because you're kind of a distraction. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that was coming, and Harry would have punched somebody. <laughs> <laughs> this dude was ready to blow, as we saw toward the end of the chapter. Yeah, I, I was hold, kind of holding my breath. Like, I don't remember there being an issue, but it's been a while, but and I've everything been everything that's been going before, on, I don't know. Maybe it these, wouldn't surprise maybe me. Maybe these books changed. I don't know. Maybe the edition that we have is different. <laughs> There's some addition out Maybe there. Maybe Ange- she, Angelina's coming she up. She gets just, punched in the face. Just needling Harry, just you know, poking the bear. Uh, there's an interesting exchange between Cho and Harry. Uh, Cho doesn't really seem like she gets to say what she wants because Ron and Hermione are there, and Ron goes off on a tangent and gives Cho a hard time about the Quidditch team that she sports. <laughs> But with everything that happened at the end of the last school year, you know, Cho's boyfriend died and came back in Harry's arms, his dead body mm-hmm. in Harry's arms. I'm curious, I think as Harry is, as to what Cho was feeling and what she really wanted to say there. I don't know. I I know we refer to Cedric as her boyfriend. They refer to it a lot, but I'm also like, you know, they went to the dance together, but they don't really say that they're, I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. But I guess the dance was at Christmas, 
and then they must have continued on after that. I don't. I guess we just didn't really see it. So I'm like, boyfriend seems like a strong word because they mm. had one. They went to one dance together, but I guess that continued. You don't want to put labels on it. I, what it seems saying. like a strong label. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, other than. I mean, what do you say to Harry at that point? Like, I I don't know. It, Cho kind of came up in a more friendly manner than a lot of the students have been interacting with Harry, which I thought was a positive, at least for Harry. But I I just don't know really what what Cho was could have said to Harry in that situation. I don't, I don't know if she's gonna say like I I believe you I thank you for bringing Cedric back or can you tell me what happened you know I so I could have some closure I really don't know there could have been a multitude of things I don't know I don't know for sure but I just don't really feel like it was very Cedric oriented they alluded to in the last book before the dance that. Cho was kind of flirty with Harry. They were always kind of making eye contact from across the room. He tried to talk to her a couple of times and she kind of giggled but was fine with it kind of deal. And then she seemed very regretful that when he did ask her she'd already said yes to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like she's, those feelings were already there and now she's kind of wanting to talk to him again. Although it is kind of weird timing. Uh, potions class with Snape. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's always a good time. Uh, before we get in that, can you just kind of give me the Cliff, Cliff's Notes version of owls and newts? Owls you take in your fifth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a, a final, mm-hmm. but it's for like your whole first five years of schooling. Yeah. Kind of just make like a pass-fail thing. Hey, you either are good at this, and it's for per subject, so kind of like finals would be in high school. Uh-huh. Um, and you just kind of get graded on. I think in so, high school they call them they call them like end of course exams now. Okay. Yeah, they used to call them uh, finals analysis. It's kind of like the big culminating test that you take. So you take your owls like for potions, and you get graded on your abilities to do potions mm-hmm. so and that's kind of like your final thing if you don't score well on your owls for certain subjects then you can't pursue that career if it requires you to have it's so like defense against the dark the everybody kind of talks about being or as mm-hmm. you know ron brings it up and then harry's like that'd be cool um you would need to have good good owl in defense against the dark arts mm-hmm so if they don't score well on that, then they couldn't pursue that career path. So owls are kind of like your end of course exams, and newts are kind of like your master's thesis, or yeah, yeah, like or end of course exams in college mm-hmm. to to graduate to be your final final for like a special more more of a specialized thing. Mm-hmm. So, fifth year, they're taking owls in every subject. And then, I think Ron even said something about how in your sixth and seventh year, you can, you'll even get, like, a guidance counselor to kind of talk about, like, what What career career you'd be good for, Mm -hmm. and then what newts you might want to take to pursue that career. Yeah. Okay. So... You know, just like if you were taking, if you wanted to be a doctor, you would need to take medical classes, but you couldn't take those medical classes if you failed biology and everything in high school. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. Uh, like I said, potions class with Snape. This is going to be an extra challenging year in potions class, not only because uh, Snape just doesn't like the Gryffindors, but like you said, we're taking the big end of term tests. And Snape instructs the students to brew the wizarding equivalent of Xanax, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't think of it like that, but yeah. That's the first thing that popped into my head. Oh, they're taking Xanax. And Xanax. So, because the potion is something that's just supposed to put, the per- put somebody's nerves and agitations at ease, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I just didn't make that connection. <laughs> I immediately made that connection. <clears throat> so Harry misses a step in the potion-making process, and Snape, we know, is especially hard on Harry. He just whisks Harry's entire concoction away into thin air. Yeah, and Harry's really mad about this. He's like, it wasn't as bad as somebody else's, and this person's, and this person's was doing this, and this person's was doing that. Really, the only one he said looked like they were getting it right was Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, but I'm going to be getting zero marks. And I'm like, do you really think the other people aren't going to get zero marks? <laughs> you don't think Neville's not going to get zero <laughs> Neville's marks? Neville's turning something in, but it's still going to be a zero. <laughs> like, I don't think... It was that unjust. I know that Harry feels that it was, and I. And it was probably I embarrassing, too, yeah. You know, to have that done in front of the whole class and the whole. Can't you read? Yes, I can. We'll read the instructions, and mm-hmm. he, and he very clearly he missed a step, but it wasn't he couldn't read. But yeah, the whole interaction was probably very embarrassing. Yeah, I think that he's already upset. Yeah, he's already he's already he needs almost at his Xanax. bowling point. Yeah. He needs. He needs a Hermione little. Needs to he needs slip a little him sip a little of. Vial. Uh, here you go. I just. I. I. Here's one for Snape. One for you. Yeah. I took. I took a little dropper out before I turned it in. And here, just put this under your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's. Yeah. You're exactly right. I think that's what Harry needs. But the rest of the obviously outside of Hermione, the obviously incorrect potions are allowed to be turned in, and somebody is going to taste them. No, he said he was going to test them. I thought it said taste them, for tasting. I said for testing. Hold, please. Hold, please. A few minutes later. All right, we looked at it. You're right, it is testing. Testing. I Close to tasting. <laughs> oh, and I guess when I was reading that, I was just assuming that he was just going to have like a whole bunch of like house elves lined up. Oh, don't let hey, Hermione find out about that. Drink this. <laughs> And if they happens. and if they go into like a very relaxed state, then they did a good job. If they explode, maybe that's what he means by testing. We don't know. Ooh, you think house house elves are like the equivalent of like guinea pigs that Lab they test? Rats? Yeah, they test the makeup on. Maybe. Ooh, where's Peta at when you need him? Spew. Yeah. Hermione even said, "Oh, maybe I can get Spew going for real when I graduate." She wants to make a difference. She does. Uh, divination class, a.k.a. Harry's annual informing of how he's going to die. Yes. Not really much to say there. Then on to Dada class, Defense Against the Dark Arts, with the new professor, Dolores Umbridge, the namesake of our chapter here. And he's like, I don't know, I don't want a hissing cat, because she likes cats. I need like a thing that we can, very unpleasant Mm-hmm. Every time we say Dolores and Bridge. Gotcha. I'll come up with something. Growling. And I mentioned Hermione earlier always seeing the intricacies of everything that she reads. And in the course aims that are written on the board here, course aims for Dolores Umbridge's Dada class. Number one, understanding the principles underlying defensive magic. Okay. Two, learning to recognize situations in which defensive magic can legally be used. Okay, that makes sense. Three, placing the use of defensive magic in a context for practical use. Okay, that all makes sense. But what's the big thing we're missing here? Actually using it. How, how to actually do it. Yes. <laughs> and putting it into practice. Uh, I don't know if we're ready to get to that part. Go ahead. But I loved um, this is one of the oh, I can never say her name. The Patel, Patel mm-hmm. girls said, um, "Wait a minute, isn't there a practical for our mm-hmm. owls?" And she's like, "Yes, if you study hard enough, you'll be able to do it when the time comes." And she's like, "Without practice, like the so the first time we're gonna do it is going to be at our at our, our big test? test. Well, if you study well enough." And Hermione is the only one who noticed this. This, yes. You know, everybody everybody else else just opened their book and got busy. And it just and they're just reading. That's and that's basically what 
Umbridge and by extension of Umbridge, the ministry wants the kids to do. They don't want them to be. It's almost like they don't even want them to be preparing for the dark arts because they don't want to bring attention that the dark arts might be out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a I don't know, I won't call it the famous line, but there's a line in the movie it's not in the book. I was kind of waiting for it when Umbridge says turn to chapter 5 or page 5, start reading, blah blah blah. There'll be no need for talking. Hermione says no. She In the movie she says no need to think you mean. <laughs> and um, which is what she basically ends up pointing out is, you know, the ministry just wants the little robots to sit there and do what they're told mm-hmm. to read and not actually do anything. But her mind, we already discussed, she, her mind is going a mile a minute. She's picking up on all these things. So, yeah, so she questioned it, which got a real thinking and questioning. So, this is when we're reading, just reading about defense against the dark arts and not actually going to be putting any of this practice into work. And this is when things get a little heated in the class. Students saying questions without raising their hands, Umbridge getting very irked, and Harry doing what Harry's been kind of doing this whole book with a, another emotional outburst that not only gets him detention, but also gets him sent to the Gryffindor head, Professor McGonagall. And Harry's, we, we saw this coming. I mean, it's been, it's been going on all book. He's been snapping at his friends. He's been snapping at everybody. And it's just been one thing after another. He almost, he had his wand pointed at Seamus in the last uh, chapter you know, ready to apparently hurt him over the things that were being said. Harry's just kind of at a in a bad spot right now, emotionally. Yeah, and she kind of put him in a corner. I'm like, she was literally saying the things that he could not ignore. Like, nothing's going to hurt you. There's no need for you to practice uh, defense against the dark arts. There's nothing out there that could hurt you. And then um, and he brought up Cedric. Mm-hmm. I almost said Seamus. I'm like, no, we, that was something else. He brought up Cedric, and and she was like, that was a terrible accident. Said, no, he was murdered. And he actually, that was a big moment in the chapter, too, because nobody else really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. He kind of stands up and says what happened, not in detail, but more than the other kids had under, you know, had gotten to hear from him. I think this kind of backfired on her big time because it got Hermione got everybody in the classroom thinking and then Harry you know talked about what happened at the graveyard and at least the kids in that classroom are probably questioning what's going Uh, on. So you think this could be kind of like the start of a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a, a, a change in some of the thought processes of some of the students there? Because you know that everybody that leaves that class is going to go back to their common rooms and, and talk about and it, talk about talk it, talk to yeah. their friends. And did you hear? And Harry stood up to Umbridge, and this is happening. This is happening. Hermione was pointing out that they're not going to let us do this, and you know they're kind of going to get a little, I think, a little snowball effect. Mm-hmm. So Harry gets sent to McGonagall, and we're getting toward the end of the chapter here. I thought that the interaction with McGonagall was was very interesting. Because That's another pretty, not famous, but it's like a favorite moment mm-hmm. in the books and the movies. How so? Just just for the have a biscuit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it seems like he's going to be in trouble. She's questioning him. She's like, "Did you do this? Is this what really happened? Did you yell at her? Yes. Did you tell her that he who must not be named is back? Yes. Did you do this? Yes. Have a biscuit, Potter." <sighs> Get a cookie. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a cookie for you because you're a good boy. <laughs> so here's my thing with McGonagall. Obviously, you know, one of our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Obviously smart enough to realize that Voldemort is indeed back. Mm-hmm. Obviously wise enough to know that Harry is telling the truth and that dark times are ahead. But 
even McGonagall kind of jumps back and gasps when Harry says Voldemort, which kind of took me off, caught me off guard a little bit. Because I thought that maybe she, uh, if anybody outside of Dumbledore would be kind of immune to that, it would be her. But then there's also the fact that she's just telling Harry, Harry, you got to keep your head down. You got to keep your nose clean. Don't draw attention to yourself. You have to be really, really careful right now. And it's almost like she's talking when she, and, and I don't think, there actually are people listening but it's almost like she's talking thinking that there are people listening you know like there would be cameras on her or something like that and she's trying to say what she wants to say without saying exactly the words if that makes sense i love the little line where she does say she said did you listen to what umbridge said uh at the welcome feast and harry tries to like well she said that we should, uh, and then he just skips to what Hermione told him it meant. And yeah. McGonagall was like, well, at least you listen to Granger. Yeah. It was so Which cute. is a good, she, it's almost like she said, well, keep doing that. Yeah. Because she's smart enough to actually figure out what's going on. Um, I don't want to call it a game, but, you know, she was kind of telling Harry, you've got to play the game. you got to mm-hmm. be smart. You know, we're in like a chess game here. Mm-hmm. You you can't just mm-hmm. go charging out without thinking. You need a plan. You need to be strategic. You can't, you know, rock the boat too much. It, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah, this is not a, a campaign that we're going to win with emotion and force. You know, it's like you said, McGonagall. Like I, I said, McGonagall's brilliant. And she obviously knows what's going on here. And it's almost like she, like I said, it's almost like she's telling Harry without telling Harry verbatim what he needs to do. Like, she didn't come out and say, Harry, like, the ministry is, is like, on my, on our butts. And we've got to, like, we've got to just, like, appease Umbridge right now and, We'll, we'll have we'll get something else going. Like we'll, we've got we've got plans. You know, Dumbledore and I have plans, but I can't tell you those right now. We just have to kind of keep our heads down. She doesn't say that, but it's almost like she's saying, like you said, we got to play the game for now because these are these are the rules right now, and until the status quo changes, we have to abide by them. Yeah, not draw unneeded attention or give reason. For these punishments. And plus Harry is kind of. Got this. Personality that's been built up. In the Daily Prophet. And every time he has an outburst like that. Kind of just feeds that monster a little bit. That he's kind of crazy. Wants the attention. Uh, well that's the end of chapter 12. Professor Umbridge. We do have an email. Ooh an email. Today. Uh, sent to us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. I apologize. I'm like super nasally right now. I'm I'm really, really fighting it. Uh, while you were talking just a second ago, I ran off to try to uh, clear the passageways a little bit. But uh, this email comes from Seriously IDK. Okay. And seriously is spelled like Sirius Black. Okay. So seriously, I don't know, is don't know. The, <laughs> the name of the emailer. Uh, hi, Dan and Jess. I used, to abs- I used to be absolutely obsessed with the movies. I watched them over and over. Obsessed may be actually a bit of an understatement. From my love of the movies, I thought I would check out the books, the source material, which is also how I found your podcast. Yay. To say I was blown away is an understatement. I enjoyed the book so much more than the movies, something I thought was impossible. And now I can't rewatch the movies. Every time I try, I get mad about something. <laughs> I think Kelly's already like looking this person <laughs> up. Like, hey, we should be friends. Am I the only one? The movies are still very special to me, but I just cannot enjoy them anymore. This immediately made me think of Kelly. Yes. Who is loves the book so much and is... Kind of, can barely tolerate yeah. the movies. 
Um, even us, I don't remember which one it was, but we, we had just, you know, we finished reading the book, so we watched the movie, and we both came back and were like, wah, wah. It was just nothing compared to the book. The bare bones of the book, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so, you're probably the best one to answer this, there's so much that you're learning about these characters, or characters that they didn't even really talk about in the movies, there's just so much more to it. It's almost like the books are the actual story and the movies are like the... Cliff notes? Yeah, like the summarization of the, of that story. Like if I had to take this story that I read and do like a one paragraph summary of it, that's what the movies would be. They'd be equivalent to a one paragraph summary of it. Because think about how long it takes us to... To read these chapters and then talk about them. Mm-hmm. Every 20, 30 pages equals almost an hour, an hour and a half of talking. Mm-hmm. And plus, like, it takes me like an hour, an hour and a half to do my notes, you know? So, and that's less than one movie from, from the time it takes us to read the, read these, read it one chapter of one book, do the notes, record, and get it out there for consumption, we could have watched like a a movie and a half. So if you think about it in the way that a movie is like a one paragraph summarization of a, of an entire, how many pages are these books? Uh, 300 something. They're all fairly different. This one. Because the first two are really, really short. Oh, this one's like over 800 pages. This one's almost 900 pages. You know, that would be like a, like I said, is a is a pretty good comparison of taking like a nine hundred page book and summarizing it in a paragraph or two, or like a one page one page report. you know summarization. So if you look at it that way, maybe it's not as agonizing for <laughs> seriously IDK, but you know I I definitely do you know I could I could see why. Especially since some people that read these books before the movies started coming out, you already kind of have an attachment to them. And maybe like in Kelly's case, she's not as fond of the, the movies because of this attachment that she has to the books and what they meant to her. Um, like our emailer, who did it the opposite way, saw the movies first. She had a really strong attachment to those movies and loved them so much but that when she saw there was like this whole other world within the world that the books gave to you, it kind of maybe makes the movie seem less than by comparison. I definitely, you know, can get annoyed that some things are skipped over or left out completely or just not done correctly. I don't get mad about the little things. Like there's Hermione's dress was pink mm-hmm. or was it? A different color like there's little things like that that just is um but i've started um some of the novels that i've read have been made into graphic novels and of course you which can't... is a bi- that's a big thing right now yeah by the way they do they did they're doing it like with the babysitters club and everything and it's like opening up like a whole new generation of readers so, uh, adapting novels to graphic novels. One of the ones I just read was I, I like to read the Shadowhunter books by Cassandra Clare. Her books are huge, mm-hmm. huge, monstrous books. And um, I found that there were graphic novels for them. I, I, I've read the books, but it was fun to read the graphic novel to, um, you know, revisit that world mm-hmm. rather than spend weeks rereading the whole novel or the, the trilogy of novels i could just read these graphic novels i kind of got even the parts that they didn't like my favorite line or my favorite joke it wasn't in there but i knew where it should be Mm -hmm. so it still reminded me of it and i could still you know kind of have it playing in my head i don't know i really enjoyed it that way if you think of it that way Mm um i don't you know i do like the movies there are things that are, you know, missing, but they have to be. You can't, you just can't get it all in. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're trying to 
when you're trying to convert it to a two-hour movie, and like you said, when you're trying to convert it to a graphic novel, you can't get all that dialogue into a graphic novel. No. You know, some of the... And none of the, like, setup uh -huh. stuff. Yeah, that's all visual. It's all visual. Uh -huh. you, you've got to include it in the pictures. And that takes a long time to, to, to do the art for that. You know, that's why I think these illustrated editions, they're not just coming out like every couple months. They're taking a long time to come out because of how intricate the art is. With yeah, it's that. not the words. The words are already written. Yeah, yeah. They just and it's the exact, copy it's paste. literally the exact same words as the, the novelizations of the books. With graphic novels, it's different. They pick and choose and it's a lot more, you know, visual to describe the setting and describing, uh, you know what somebody's wearing and things like that mm -hmm. but it, it it is a different way to experience it and like you said if you if you take it for what it is and don't try to maybe compare the the quality to what you fell in love with first then maybe you will be less offended by it like I, I know what's missing, so I just kind of add it on my own in mm -hmm. my head, and it was it was okay. I still, you know, I really enjoyed it. I'm actually reading the uh, Game of Thrones mm -hmm. graphic novels right now, because they have those. I found those at the library, mm -hmm. and I thought I'd give it a shot. And it's less intimidating, too, to take on a, a new reading project like that, you know, because those books are so big, mm -hmm. that if it, if you see it in a in a graphic novel especially for like for my kids uh my students who may be struggling readers or reluctant readers even more so when they see a graphic novel it's just less intimidating to them and it it's the same story as these babysitters club books that came out in the you know i don't know they came out in the 60s and 70s uh, I believe. I never got another Babysitter Club. But if you look at the if you look at the covers for the old Babysitters Club books, there's no way a kid today would pick up one of those books. No, it's just these especially like especially not a boy because right. they're very mm -hmm. girl oriented yep. and it's all girl stuff. Uh, there are tons of boys tons of that boys. read them. Yep, they really yep. enjoy them. Yep, absolutely because it's it's a comic book essentially, <laughs> and comic books are for everybody. Yes, you know. And, and, and it used to be that comic books were just for boys, too, when I was little. You know, you never really saw girls reading comic books. But, you know, now graphic novels have kind of, you know, uh, closed that gap there uh, between boys and girls. And then also have kind of brought in some of the reluctant readers. Because you can look, seriously, look at like the old Babysitter's Club covers. And it's like some feathered-haired, you know, white girl... <laughs> You know, they it, even spell the baby circle in like the kitty uh -huh, block, yep, the baby yep, blocks, yep, like the baby block baby blocks. Yep. I think maybe that's why I never got into it because mm -hmm. the covers were just horrible. Yeah. I, Mine I, was the same thing with the Hardy Boys, uh, not the wrestlers, but the <laughs> <laughs> the the the, bo the detective teenagers or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that they were kind of like they were the the boy version of the Nancy Drew. Uh, and the girls all read the Nancy Drew books and the boys read the Hardy Boys books. But they just, they looked so, the books looked so old. They looked like something that, like, my grandpa would have read when he was a kid. And it just, but if they came out with graphic novels of something like that today, that would probably be worth, you know, a read. Yeah. So I think it's it's all about, it's all about context. And uh, I think for our emailer, you know, maybe we just give her a few drops of whatever uh, Hermione was brewing up, and yeah. maybe get, maybe she can uh, take another shot at the movies. And maybe just give it some space, because, like I said, when we like right when we finished the book, and then we immediately watched the movie, we were really kind of let down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just space it out. Gotcha. Uh, well, we hope you didn't space out while we were, you know, going off on our <laughs> little tangent about <laughs> comic books and graphic Reading. novels and everything. Everybody should read. But uh, we thank you for reading along with us here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing. And thanks for uh, listening to us talk about Chapter 12, Professor Umbridge, today, as things are starting to get a little uh, uncomfortable around the Hogwarts grounds. 
But uh, we're going to continue our journey there. And what did you say? How far are we? Through about, I think last time we said about 20%. Probably about, I'm going to say 28. Two. I'm going to say 28% right now. Okay. How about that? Okay. I'm not, I'm not willing to go that we're a third of the way through yet, but I'm going to, I'll put it at 28%. Just eyeballing here. Okay. Uh, what I, I know you normally have like it up on your Goodreads or whatever. I do, but for some reason, this one is not giving me a percentage. Because there's so many pages that it can't <laughs> calculate. <laughs> it goes, error, error, error. No, I, I don't know what's wrong with it. I guess the edition I picked, because I didn't, I, I was trying to get, I don't know. I don't know I did. Can't even explain it. But like I put in what page number I'm on and they're just like, you're on this page. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. I just told you that. It doesn't give me a percentage. It's very meta. It's very like self, self-realization. And I don't want to change it. Because like you're on this page, Jess, and you're doing a heck of a job. If I, cause I like I've already started. And if I change it, it's going to be like, did you finish this book? And I'm going to be like, no, but um, yes, no, I don't know. I don't want to mess up my Goodreads stats, so I'm just going to finish it. And we don't want to mess up what we're doing here. Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Special thanks to our inner circle, Jennifer, uh, Jane, Ronnie, uh, Kelly, Olivia, Anastasia, Catherine, Mike and Libby. Uh, Who else is in the inner circle? I don't know, but Kevin's going to get upset because you say everybody else's kids are now not hers. Who? Catherine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Little little baby Leah. And you got to add Luke. You can't just leave him out. Uh, I think Luke said that he didn't like, like rhinos weren't his favorite animals. So him and I, him and I are kind of at loggerheads right now. He changed? I thought rhinos were his favorite. Nah. He just, he looks at Catherine's shirt and says, oh, rhino. Not my favorite though. <laughs> I don't know what? if he if he actually says it that, that way, happens. but yeah, we're kind of uh, we're kind of feuding right now. I didn't hear about yeah. this. So uh, yeah, little baby Leah. So not Leia, but close enough. <laughs> close Just enough to call make, her Leia. Close en- I, I'm like, going to call, call her Leia for Leia. the rest of her life. <laughs> and Joe will just have to deal with it. Yeah, suck it up, Joe. You got outvoted. How about that? Uh, and thanks to you guys. Send us your emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Tweet us at broomsticksb. And join us for the next episode where we will talk about chapter 13 of Harry Potter. And what book is this? Ah, The Order of the Phoenix. There you go. Good job. Until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a git. See ya. Bye. I got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows I got the magic in me. When I hit the floor, the girls come snapping at me.